The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. preach a little bit about uh, God's desire for you. I always, always am interested in what God feels about, feels about me, his desire for me, and his, his uh, um, spirit towards me as, as, uh, as a father. Why do I want to know that? It's because the devil's out there trying to convince you God's no good. You've heard it. You have heard it in your mind. You've heard. God really doesn't care about me. God wouldn't really do this to me if he loved me. You've heard those things said. I mean, literally, the voice comes in your head when some bad thing will happen or uh, why would God let this happen? And if he was a good God, surely he wouldn't let this happen. Things like that. They come in your head. And so the evil one, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, has been trying to destroy the counsel of God to us. And so that's why we've given, been given the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to combat that. Tonight we're preaching out of the Bible. Please, God, by the foolishness of preaching, save them that believe. But in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, I'll, I'll read it in a moment. Um, that verse deals with God's desire for us. I think any good parent, and I think you about have to be a parent to get this. For you that aren't parents here tonight or have never been parents, you can just try what you can to imagine what it's like, but I don't think you can do it till it happens. Uh, but uh, as a parent, man, you have a desire that your children prosper uh, in every way they can prosper. I'm not, I'm not talking about being rich and finances because I've seen uh, financial wealth destroy people. People win the lottery. There's books on how their lives just crumble and how when they get all that money, how their relatives hate them, eventually won't talk to them and, uh, you know, every, you know, it's just awful. A lot of times that money just destroys a relatively happy home. So money's not the answer for your happiness. I hope you, I hope you aren't chasing that bunny around because, uh, first of all, you may never catch him. It's very elusive. The Bible says wing, riches take wings and fly away. That's been my experience with the stock market, amen? Uh, about the time I think I'm making something, it's gone, so I quit it all. But anyway, I just decided I'm going to die pretty close to poor. Uh, but I'm not. We're rich. If you're here in the United States of America tonight, you're here in this service, you are rich. You have access to more food than anybody in the world. You have access to the best roads in the world. You have the most stable, probably, government, as crazy as it is. You probably have the most stable government anywhere in the world. You've got the best law enforcement anywhere in the world that's legitimate. Uh, and and um, you, we just the, the blessings just go on and on and on and on about where we are. We're undeserving of this. I was born this here. I did not choose it. I could have been born in Haiti, where the land it seems to be just cursed and troubled in every way you can have trouble. That land does not seem to be able to ever get out of the trouble. And when I went down there for a few times, it, it hit me hard 
uh, how, how a whole nation can be under, as it were, almost the curse uh, of God and be upon them. Obviously, worship and Satan doesn't help them. And they, but God the Father, the God of our, our Savior, Lord, the Father, God and Father of our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wants to bless you all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way back in, in Deuteronomy. And if you're, a good, if you're a good parent, you want your children to be healthy. You want them to do well in school. You want them to obey the laws of the land. Um, you, want them, you want your child to be kind and courteous and brothers, and brothers to their brothers and sisters. You want them to have good sportsmanship. Uh, you, you want them to show uh, acts of kindness when they're not expected. Amen? Uh, you want them to be good citizens. You want them to be the kind of neighbor that people are glad they move beside. Are you? Or are you a holy terror? People go, man, I'd love to get away from that person. Man, or, or, do you, or are you a kind of neighbor that say, man, I'm glad to have that person as my neighbor. Most of you may know this, but Denny Nelson bought my, um, and his wife also, bought um, five acres right beside me. And I'm, I'm honored to have a guy like Denny Nelson Nelson out as my neighbor, and I hope he feels the same about me, and I hope five years from now, if we live so long, that we both look at each other and say, boy, it's been good to live beside each other and be neighbors. But, you know, that's just choice. That's just a choice you make, you know. Uh, one of my neighbors one time came over to my house, and, and I keep my place fairly, fairly, um, you know, maintained, you know, the front of the gate and the entrance there, and, and my neighbor came over, and and his entrance was all grown up with weeds and, 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 and fence line was all nasty looking and things kind of disheveled. And he came over there and he said, boy, you know, I wish you'd take better care of your entrance. I go, really? He said, yeah, man, your entrance here, you need to get some uh, Roundup and you need, to, you need to weed eat that thing. You don't need to kill some of them weeds back. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know what's going through my mind. And here's what I said. Whatever you want me to do to make you happy to this, within reason, I'll do it. He said, what? I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do What do you want me to do? Why? I want to be a good neighbor. I think you want your kids to be good neighbors. You want them to be a good, you want, if you have a boy, you want to be a good husband. This is coming up. You want to be a good husband. You, you, and if you've if you got a girl, you want her to be a good woman. You, you want the guy that married her to say, that's the best day of my life when I got married, like I say about my wife. Best day of my life beside getting saved was when little Kathy Lee decided that I was the man for her and that, and that we got, boy, we had a good ride. Is she in here or is she watching the Super Bowl? Boy, have we had a good ride. You don't want your... As a parent, you don't want your kid to be lazy. God forbid a lazy person. Lazy person is hard to deal with in every direction. Man, if I had a girl, I didn't have any girls, but if I had a girl, I'd have taught her how to sweep the floor and how to mop the floor and how to do the dishes and do the laundry and do the windows and keep the thing clean. And I'd have had her outside doing stuff. And I'd have, and the guy that married her would have been, that's the luckiest day of my life when I got that light tail girl. That's right. That's right. And, if you, and a boy, man, when I'd want my boy, and, and Troy has been a good worker, right? I want, I'm waiting for his wife to say something. Uh, Troy has been a good, Troy's been a good husband, hasn't he? I heard two amens. 
Heard two amens. Troy's been a good dad, hasn't he? That's right, brother. That's right. You want your life to be anything past tonight. Man, if we want that. Here's the, way, here's the way Jesus says it. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more to your Father in heaven? It says in two different places. It says at one place to give good things to you. The other place it says give the Holy Spirit to you. I happen to like that reading the best. You keep the good things. Let me have the Holy Spirit. Because if you got the Holy Spirit, you got all the good there is to have. You got the fullness of, of the Holy Spirit in your life. There ain't nothing better than that. Nothing tops that. Woo! Wow, that's what I want. And I just say, thank you, Father. But listen, you he wants to do that for you. God wants to bless you tonight. He desires to pour out his blessings. Now, this is not health and wealth. This is not you give an offering, maybe God gives some back to you. This is this is the reality of of, of any good father. But a good father won't spoil his kid. Good father won't give his kids stuff if they don't work. Teach them that you don't want, you don't want your kid to think not working is, is a way to live. You want, him to, you want him to understand that my dad, God bless him, I knew he loved me. And, and, and I've been deeply, deeply honored by having a dad like that. But he told me, son, when you get 18 years old, you start paying rent here and you start paying for the electric bill here. And, and, and when, when I was 15, 14 years old, he says, all I'm going to give you is food, clothing, and a place to live. If you want a car, you want a motorcycle, you get a job, you earn the money, you pay it, you pay your own insurance, you pay your gas, or you walk. Guess what Billy did? I went and got a job, man. I went and got a job. I was working like a dog. I was, when I was 17 years old, I bought a brand new uh, uh, Camaro Muncie, Muncie 350. Um, 2500 bucks off the showroom lot, paid all the payments on it, paid the insurance. Man, insurance was high back then, $110 a year as a teenager. Why, I want to have, have a son. I want to raise a son who brings flowers to his wife on Valentine's Day. I, and I did. I want to, I want to, my, my daughter-in-law, I'm just going to tell anyone here, my, my daughter-in-law calls me and thanks me on a regular basis for whatever I did with Troy, though she has no idea. But it's okay. I'll take it. But she says, thank you for this. I say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. A lot of it was his decision-making one way or another. But that's God's desire. Now let's look at verse 29 with that in mind. As a father, he has a desire to do you good. Verse 29, Deuteronomy 5, it says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always. Why? Why? Just because he's an egomaniac? No. But as God, he knows what's best, that it might be well with them. And with their children, how long? Believe it or not, God wants the best for you. Going back to the Garden of Eden, God could have given those folks no choices uh, in, in his new creation, uh, but, but uh, he loved 
out of a pure heart and one of them to have a free will and wanted to be loved out of a pure heart, just like you want to be loved out of a pure heart. You don't want some robot coming up to you and you hitting a switch and they say, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it doesn't, it doesn't make me happy if I go to Kathy and say, do you love me? And she says, well, sure, I love you. That, that, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for her to initiate it without me saying that. How about you? You want your wife to just come by out of, out of the blue and say, ooh, I love you. Right? And man, same thing. You, you don't initiate that. And God gave man a free will. And I believe God enjoyed the fellowship for a while, don't know how long, with them. And the man and woman loved God, and, and, and God loved man out of this absolute. But it wasn't real had he not put that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That tree was accessible to them 24-7. There wasn't cherubim guarding it with a sword at the tree of life, no. And they were accessible. It was there in the midst of the garden was a freedom of choice. And God wants us to have a freedom of choice. He has made us in his image. And in, that means in part, at least, that we have a cognizance, a choice, uh, a volition to, to choose. He put the tree there. He warned Adam and Eve in the strictest sense of the word, you shall surely die if you eat there. Do not eat there. Please do not eat there. It's dangerous. If you do that, does it damage you? If you choose not to believe me. The sin of the garden was a lack of confidence in God. It was a sin of unbelief. What was the first sin? It was the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. In verse three, chapter three, verse nineteen. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. That was the sin of the children of Israel. Chapter four, verse six. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter in, they whom it was first preached entered not, and because of unbelief. And then in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six. But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he believeth. Uh, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. In other words, everything is in the area of belief. When God says, do my commandments, the, the test is, do you believe him? Do you believe him? You believe, you believe he loves you. Tonight, the question, your, the degree of your obedience is the degree that you believe him for being, for being who he says he was, is, and, 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 and looking out for you. Um. You see, when we don't believe God, it's really a matter of calling him a liar and pointing our finger in his face and saying, you're not who you said you were. You're not good. You don't care for me. You don't love me. You're not looking out for my best interests. Hasn't really that been the issue from the very Garden of Eden to today and people? When I, when I talk to people about God and Jesus Christ, they have absolutely no confidence that God really loves them and really looking out for them, and really means what he says and says what he means. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, uh, that now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field with the Lord God had made. And they said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What was that? But sowing doubt. The devil came in and he sowed doubt, just like he does in your mind. I wonder if God's really there. I wonder if God's real. 
He sowed disbelief in verse 4. And the servant said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. The devil himself will come by your house and say, What, what the preacher up there saying ain't, ain't, ain't the way it is. What the Bible say in that old book? I hear people say, I can't believe that you run your life on a 3,500-year-old book. I said, you don't understand the God that wrote it, or you wouldn't say that. So he sowed, he sowed doubt. He sowed disbelief. He sowed dissatisfaction. In verse 5, for God, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be open, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Doesn't he do that still today? The devil comes by and tries to get you to be dissatisfied with the good things God has given you, and somehow or another tells you that the things that he offers you are going to be better, but they're not better. I found when I went out into sin that that I preached a sermon years ago called Saccharine Sin. I don't know if they do saccharine anymore. It's that pink, the pink sugar. And I know when they first came out with that, and we started drinking that, and I thought, man, that, that thing leaves an aftertaste, you know? It went down sweet, and it was okay, but it was fake. And, they let, and that's what sin is. It, yeah, it'll go down sweet, and you'll think you're getting something. You'll think you're getting something from it, and it's making you a better person. Listen, the, the devil's not, he don't come to you and tell you, this is going to be awful for you. This is going to be terrible. It's going to take everything good away from you. He's out there saying, Look what God's trying to tell you to do. You're missing out the best of your years. You're missing out the fun of your youth. You're missing all these. Let me just tell you, boys and girls here tonight under 30 years old, the sin that the devil tempts you all to go out and sow your wild leaf will leave you nothing but heartache and grief of soul and heart, and it'll destroy your body on top of all that. Doc sees that. Sees that STDs and other things that come, maybe even AIDS. In verse 6, he caused disobedience and damage. And the final act of disbelief, eating of the fruit, when she looked at it, she said, man, this is good, something to be desired, make one wise. Sin don't come by like this is a bad thing. He comes by, this is a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. That was direct disobedience. In verse 7, their eyes, both of them were open. They were damaged with a defiled conscience. The first time, Adam and Eve looked at each other and noticed they were naked. The first time they lost their innocency. You people that raise kids know this. Your kids, you know, when they're small like that, they have the innocency about them. Even though they're not, they're still born. And sin did my mother conceive me. Don't get me wrong, okay? Children are born with an evil nature. Uh, Troy threw a fit at six weeks. I mean, you can, you can, and you that have had kids know what I'm talking about. But I'm talking generally they're relatively naive and innocent. And I remember one time Troy came home from school and said the kids were picking on me and calling me names and harassing me and all of that other stuff. And the way we used to deal with bullying was I said, when you go back to school tomorrow, when he says that you get his jaw clear in your eye and you whack him as hard as you can. He did more than that. He broke his arm. And it cost me some money on that. But I, I'll tell you one thing, the kid never bothered him again. Shazam! But I'll be honest with you, that day what he never knew about that was how it, how it broke my heart. How it broke my heart to teach my kid to fight. How it broke my heart. There's a degrees of losing your innocency as you go down through this world. And I hated it. I hated it. He had to go to school and fight his way through it. 
But that was what you need. I figured he was going to do that in business. He's been doing it ever since. Because you get out there in the business world, brother, they're wanting to devour you, spit you out. They were naked. They were disgraced. They were disheveled. They sewed fig leaves on them. <laughs> hey, hey, she didn't know. Hey, Eve looked good, but she did not know how to sew. She went and got some tree leaves, tried to put them things on. They were disheveled. They were, they, they didn't. God looked at them and go, boy, what a sorry set of clothes that is. Here, let me kill an animal and make some hides for you and give you something that's going to last you, going to cover you up. All because they did not believe. Sin's been going generation after generation after generation. All because they did not believe that God really cared for you. Let me say this tonight. If you'll get in your mind that God loves you and that he wants good for you and he wants you to obey his commandments and do his will and pay attention to his word, not to make your life harassed, but to cause you to prosper. That it may be well with them and your children. Just a quick survey, Abraham. The Bible says in Genesis 24, 40, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. Abraham believed God would take care of him. Joseph believed God in Genesis 39, 23, where it said the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that he did and that which he did and the Lord made him to prosper. I don't know about you, but I'm relying on that. I am relying on that. Whether I go fishing, hunting, working, or whatever I do, I ask God, prosper the work of my hands. Prosper. Only he can do that. Amen. Moses believed it. Deuteronomy 29.9 says, Keep therefore the words of this covenant, do them, that ye may prosper in all ye do. God told Joshua the same thing, Joshua 1.7, Only thou be strong and very courageous, thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. Moses' servant commanded, as Moses thy servant commanded, thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. David understood it. He said to Solomon, to keep the charge of the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses. Why? That thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest, and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. Let me say tonight, I declare one more time unto you that God loves you and wants to prosper you and help you if you will believe him. If you believe, your actions will follow, amen? Oh, and I just, he doesn't, for sure doesn't want this kind of belief. Yeah, I believe, then go about your business. Yeah, I, he's not looking for lip service. He's looking for action, some reality in your life. If you're living this uh, hypocritical so-called Christian life where you're saying you're a Christian then living out there for the devil, I mean, I see once in a while, these, these rock stars have, have prayer meeting before they do their concert. That's not the kind of folks he's looking for. They try to, on one hand, say, God bless us, and then go out there and, and, and commit immorality of all sorts and sensuality of all sorts and cause other people to stray away. Brother, God's not for that. 
God's first and foremost concern for you is that you would prosper in what you do. But he wants you to do it his way. It's got to be. God does not want you to obey his commandments to oppress you, but to prosper you. You don't lie. Why don't you lie? You know, I know people that would rather lie than tell the truth. It's true. They'd rather lie than tell the truth. They literally sit around and make stuff up. You know, I've known liars that are so deep into lying, they actually believe what they say. It's not so. It's fiction. But they've lied so much and so long, they actually believe what they say. That's the worst kind of committed liar. We don't lie so that God can help us and bless us and prosper us. We don't steal so that God can bless us, can help us, and can prosper us. We don't commit immorality so God can help us and bless us and prosper us. We don't dishonor our mom and dad so God can be pleased with us and help us. We don't covet our neighbor's stuff so God can help us and be blessed with us and, and, and encourage us in a long way. We don't take his name in vain. We don't serve or worship any other gods. In essence, the Ten Commandments which he gave the children of Israel to keep was to bless them. It wasn't to make, oh boy, that's restrictive. I don't know about you, but Paul said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the law is just holy and good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law just brought out the bad that was hidden inside here, made it revealed to me, made me realize I couldn't overcome it of my own, and made me flee to Jesus, who died on a rugged cross. And I sit up under Jesus and said, Jesus, be merciful to me, a sinner, save me. And then God saves me by his grace. I can't earn it, don't deserve it, can't work to get it. I receive it by grace or I don't get it at all. Praise the Lord. I think of Psalm chapter, there's only one chapter in Psalm 1. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Why does he do that? Well, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I have planted a lot of oak trees at my home. I knew that when I moved into my my house, I had a lot of pine trees, but they began to die from these pine borers we've got here in Florida and out west too, horrible out west. And I started losing eight, ten trees a year. And I, right away, bing, bing, bing. I'm not getting any trees pretty soon. So I started going buying oak trees, putting them in, put, just putting them in, putting them in, putting them in, putting them in. Well, once in a while, one of my oak trees, or my driveway, my double driveway by the province chamber there, dumps all that water, goes off, and goes to one, one of those oak trees that I just happened to plant over there. Well, I could tell you what, which, which of you think is the finest looking oak tree in my whole five acres? It's the one the water goes to. He said, God says, if you'll just listen, listen to me. If you just love me, if you just seek me, delight in me, seek my commandments to do them, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You ain't going to be like that little scrum. I got some oak trees, honestly. That they, they, it's, it's, it's a shame how little they've grown in 15 years. I mean, I got some trees that I go over there and kick them once in a while and say, what is wrong with you? One time, I had a, one time I had a fruit tree. Boy, you're going to love this. Doc, I had a fruit tree. It wasn't bearing fruit. 
And so I go to a nursery guy, big guy, supposed to know about fruit trees. In fact, he spends most life. He says, take a baseball bat and beat it. How many heard about that? Three of us? I feel lonely up here tonight. Hey, I took a baseball bat. I thought, what have I got to lose? You went to agriculture school, but you didn't hear that one. Uh, this old boy says, take a baseball bat on one side. Don't beat it all the way around. On one side, he said, just sit there and beat that thing, and you tell it to grow. So I went out there, and I thought, spanking time. <laughs> I took my baseball bat on that thing. Boom, I paid 200 bucks for you. Boom, you better produce some fruit. Boom, if you don't do it, I'm going to cut you down. Boom. I beat the bark off of one side of that thing. Next year, it bore fruit. I don't know if there's a thing to that, but I felt better. And it bore fruit. And he said, I, when I went back to the guy and I mentioned it, he says, it's something to do with the losing the bark and the re-energizing and changing the bark. It stimulates the tree. And he says, all I can tell you, I know it works. Try it. But do not bill me. If it dies. But you know God does that to you, don't he? Thank the Lord that sometimes I've been wayward. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I haven't been the way I should be, and God comes by with his baseball bat. He says, it's, it's woodshed time. And he brings something to my life that, that brings me to the ground and humbles me. But it stimulates growth. The trouble is a blessing from God. The trouble stimulates fruit that remains. Why? Because God's concern for me is not that I go through this whole life with nothing at the end. He wants me to have something. It says in Proverbs that he's the one that you'll have true treasure if you seek him. True treasure. I can tell you tonight, Betty Irvine is happy for everything she did in Jesus' name. She's happy for everything she did in Jesus' name. So will you be. God wants to prosper you, and he wants to save you. He wants you to be with him for all eternity. Jesus didn't die to damn people per se. He died to save them. He says, I come not to condemn the world, but to save it. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come under repentance. God wants to save the whole world if they would believe. The devil maligns him. The devil says no. The old Calvinist says, well, there have been a very small portion that he relegated to be saved. The rest of them he relegated to go to hell. What kind of a love is that? Not Bible love. It's not true to the word of God. You need to meet God on his terms. Serve him with all your heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, it'll be yours, man. It'll be yours. What a verse is that, hey? What a verse. He says, you do these things. You keep my commandments that I can help you and prosper you. Father, we pray that we'd understand the truth of Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29. Only you, dear blessed Heavenly Father, can really get through some of the darknesses and some of the resistances and some of the hard things that we put up against you. But Father, indeed, do get through them.
Do whatever you must do, whatever you have to do to let us see the truth. And if the truth can set us free. There could be some people in this room say, Brother, I don't see God prospering me. Well, sometimes God, you know, his ways are not our ways. It's not the kind of prospering that you may desire. But in the end of it all, it will be if you'll follow on to serve the Lord. If you'll trust him. Cancer can be God helping you. Heart attack can be God helping you. Business collapse can be God helping you. Death to loved ones can be God helping you. Ultimately, the Bible says that for them that love and are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. I hope you don't doubt God. I hope you're not sinning the sin of the garden. I hope you're not dissatisfied with the things of God as the devil tried to make Eve and indeed succeeded in doing. I hope that you're not going to let him cause you to live in disbelief. I hope that you'll cast it off and say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Maybe tonight's the night. Maybe you say, tonight's the night, preacher. I'm giving my heart to Christ. I'm dedicating my life because life is a bunch of choices. I'm choosing to live for God. I'm choosing to serve God with all my heart. In a moment, we'll have an invitation. You come. Make it known to Brother Moon, myself, others are up here. We'd love to just pray with you and help you. We're your friends. Maybe you're here tonight without Christ, your Savior. You say, I've been contemplating being saved. No one wanted, I don't really know full about it, but I'd like to know more about it. Why don't you come? Let somebody talk to you. The invitation is not over when the music stops. We're here even to the last man. You come talk to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.